Jurgen Klopp's reign at Liverpool could well end in 2024 when his contract expires. But before he goes, he's trying to collect up a host of trophies. The League Cup's been added to his collection. The Reds are in the mix for the Premier League and the FA Cup. But can Italian champions Inter Milan derail their hopes in the Champions League? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Net. Watson's My Homes, Mark O'Hare, isn't allowed to leave the show in 2024. Frankly, he's here forever, whether he likes it or not. Uh, Mark, you've been on the Liverpool train for quite some time in terms of their ability to win this tournament. And in theory, they could still win every competition they're in. Yeah, they could. Uh, going in the right direction at the moment. They've only lost twice across all competitions all season, which is some fee considering... We're now well into March as well. Um, and I just look at that squad, particularly now without major injuries. So I think Thiago's joining back in with the squad uh, this week. Uh, there's barely any weakness across the whole team at the minute. And um, I was going to make the point when we talked about the game against Inter Milan in midweek. But uh, just look at the players they're able to bring off the bench, the game changers. Um, they are really kind of in a league of their own in that regard, particularly compared to the likes of Inter Milan, the Italian champions. But it just kind of shows the the wealth that the Premier League has these days compared to the, the lesser leagues, or I say the lesser leagues, but they are lesser leagues at the minute, uh, La Liga, Serie A and the Bundesliga, because uh, the Premier League at the moment is, is where it's at, not just in terms of uh, playing ability, but also the coaches too. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has to be respected as one of the, the greatest, not just uh, in the world right now, but uh, in history really. And I think uh, everything's kind of geared towards them progressing quite nicely in the Champions League this midweek and things are going pretty nicely in the, in the Premier League too. So um, obviously we're all kind of waiting for that match at the Etihad when Man City play Liverpool that will obviously have a, a huge bearing on whether the quadruple is a potential but uh, at the minute things are looking pretty good for Liverpool if you just listen very carefully, you can hear German, Italian, Spanish and French fans just getting their torches and pitchforks <laughs> ready to march. You to know, march Kev, pace. you know me. I absolutely adore European football, probably more so than the Premier League. But it's just uh, there's a massive inequality at the minute and it's yeah. the pandemic's driven that even further, unfortunately. And it's going to be a while now until the rest of the Europe kind of catches back up. I know everything is, is cyclical, but right now the Premier League is by far and away above everything else, which is kind of sad for the rest of Europe. Yeah, it's undeniable the finances and the squad strength you look uh, at England compared to the rest and there is certainly a gap there. The data doctor will see you now. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal has been playing the Champions League anthem to the XG robots. They've been absolutely loving it. Uh, Jake, Liverpool weren't always at their best, I didn't think, in that first leg at San Siro, but found a way to win 2-0. It's hard to see into turning this around, isn't it? Difficult, yes. Um, for a number of reasons, obviously, Liverpool are really good, um, which is the main one, but also the fact that the scoreline just doesn't help into whatsoever because ultimately Inter have got to go to Anfield and do what very few teams do, which is actually win, but they've got to win by two clear goals to even take it to extra time. And that kind of attacking mentality that they're going to have to play with should leave Liverpool with plenty of space to exploit on the counter-attack. So... It is really a, a massively daunting task for Inter um, in this second leg. And, you know, I agree with you. I didn't think they were fantastic in the first leg, for an hour anyway, until um, Luis Diaz and uh, Firmino came on. I thought Diaz was excellent when he came on. And obviously Firmino got the first yeah. goal 
um, from a set piece, which is actually you know an area of strength for Liverpool. They, they've scored quite a lot of set pieces this season. Obviously, we've seen Van Dijk get a couple of goals recently, uh, Matip as well. Um, uh, constant threat, which is always going to be the case when you've got Trent and, and Andy Robertson taking the corners. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult, real you know sort of game to assess from a betting standpoint. Um, I've fallen on the sort of the Liverpool to win comfortably, if you like. Um, Liverpool minus one on the Asian handicap, which is around even money, which I thought was a little bit too big, given the obviously the, the whole Anfield factor, the fact that Liverpool probably, you know, they, they, even if they do rotate, the squad is strong enough now to be able to go and do a real job on Inter Milan, um, and the fact that the game state really plays into their favour. You know, we're talking about a team that have averaged 2.5 expected goals for per home game in the Champions League this season that's come against AC Milan, Atletico Madrid and, and Porto. Um, a team that's averaged over three expected goals for per game in the Premier League, which is just an astonishing figure. Um, you know, and, and by taking a minus one Asian handicap, it means that if Liverpool do win by one goal, we do get our money back um, with a full payout if they win by two clear goals, which I, I do think is, is absolutely possible given the game state. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Betfair trader Emmett O'Keefe has been crunching the numbers so you don't have to. Emmett, Liverpool are 1.6 here to beat an interside that, apart from duffing up Salernitana at the weekend, who are pretty much the worst that Serie A has to offer, they haven't been scoring enough goals recently. They've barely been scoring any goals recently. Yes, it's interesting. I think like some, in some, some of those matches, I think they, yeah, they, they did four, four games where they didn't score before the Salernitana game. But I think they kind of they were probably a bit unfortunate in, in, in a few of those games, especially in Serie A. I, I just think they're kind of for I watching watching the West Ham Liverpool game, it really confirmed for me what I've thought throughout the season that the only way to really get at this Liverpool team is you have to hurt them to counter-attack. You saw we saw earlier in the season where if, if people might remember when Tottenham uh, Tottenham, Tottenham played Liverpool in, in the Tottenham Stadium. It was a two-all draw. Tottenham by far the better of the game. After the game, Jurgen Klopp was complaining about Tottenham just playing long balls in behind their fullbacks. That's actually what you need to do. You need to really get after Trent Alexander-Arnold. And in the first leg in, in Milan, even Persich was all over Alexander-Arnold. Actually played really, really well. The issue... Yeah, there was a spell, wasn't there? Second half where Harvey Elliott wasn't yeah. really coming across to double up, and all the time Perisic was in, but you couldn't quite maximise. Yeah, Perisic more of a kind of a power player. He doesn't. He didn't really quite have the pace to kind of burn him in behind. But you saw, and my again, just from what from what Liverpool this season, Virgil Van Dijk is not the defender he was. Maybe he will get he will get that back as obviously he's come back from a serious injury. But he's even at the weekend he made a very sloppy kind of backhander which lead to a chance, and I do think. Like and, and I hope Mikel Antonio played really well at the weekend earlier in the season as well. Not uh, we might people might have seen Atletico play Liverpool in in, in the Wanda, in the Wanda Stadium, and yeah, Felix and Griezmann gave gave uh, Matip and Van Dijk a, a real going over, and Atletico were actually quite unfortunate to lose that game based on chances created. But when I I say all that to say Inter just don't quite have that potent kind of partnership in the sense that and Jacko was no pace we saw in the first leg when Inter created those kind of half opportunities in transition Jacko couldn't really do anything and Latoura Martinez he's, he did score a hat-trick in San Latana but even he even he isn't lightning quick and but he will be the bigger threat of the two strikers but I just don't I don't quite think Inter have the punch and the counter-attack to kind of to really expose Liverpool defensively and again it just capped an obvious statement here again the side of the USDA is just is just really has given Liverpool far more insurance. If anything, if, if, if both in terms of an impact sub 
competition for places. And if anything happens to their front players, they, he, 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 he will come in and, and, and do a really good job. And in terms of bet here, I, I just about could lean towards Liverpool both teams to score. I think Inter showed enough in the first leg to suggest they can score. And given Liverpool are two up, this could be a game where it's kind of maybe right after the open game where Liverpool can win maybe 3-1, 4-1. And I'm happy to kind of take a chance of that at, at, uh, over 2-1 at the moment. There's some punchy stuff today. Emmett's taking on the Van Dyke stands, so he's got that battle to come. Mark's taking on half of Europe. Uh, Mark, what would your uh, angle be here? Yeah, it's a tr- tricky one, isn't it? Because uh, the game is, well, the tie is pretty much done and dusted. But I was making the point earlier about the, the difference in squad. And at San Siro, Liverpool brought on Diaz, Firmino, Keita, Henderson and Milner. Inter brought on Rinocchio, DiMarco, Damian, Gagliardini and Sanchez. A uh, huge chasm between the two teams. And I just think psychologically, the way in which that match played out and the, the fact that Inter just ran out of steam and were beaten by the better team, the better players, um, you know, now having to go to Anfield and chase a two-goal deficit, I, I don't think they're seriously going to go to, to Liverpool and believe that they can turn this around. I think we've seen it before with Italian teams. They have to really believe in their, in their chances to actually go to a round like this and, and put on a deep decent show so I actually think Liverpool uh, around the 1.6 mark is is fair enough actually I think there's possibly slight value in the in the win price there as it is because if that main match ended nil-nil in the first leg they'd be a lot shorter than that at Anfield so yeah I like Liverpool but um, I actually sort of combined it with under four and a half goals I think if Liverpool score before half time the tie's definitely dead and this match could be a bit of a training ground to kind of run out in the second second half, really. You know, there's not a huge amount to sort of play for, really. Into missing Barella again, uh, a massive, massive blow. Uh, Vidal is, is not fit to lace his shoes. And then you've got Perisic, who we've talked about, who played really well in that first leg, is a major doubt as well. So into handicapped a little bit, um, but uh, not a huge sort of betting heat to get me really excited. The only thing I would say, and that the markets aren't out just yet, but uh, Lahoz is the referee for this match, the the experienced uh, Spaniard. Um, he's kind of re- had a reputation in the past for, for handing out cards like confetti, but that's not been the case in the last couple of seasons. He's really re- re- reined it back in. And, um, you know, the way in which we kind of expect this tie to go, Liverpool to sort of see it out pretty comfortably, there's not really kind of a, a huge sort of bearing there for a, a high card count, really. So I'd probably look to go unders on the card count. And you might get some fancy prices about zero cards being handed out in the match and zero cards for Liverpool as well. Because, um, yeah, I, I just quite... Uh, Lahoz is basically an unders merchant these days. And I'm just fascinated to see where the, the line is pitched for this match too. I'm really shaken now. Mark O'Hare wanting there not to be cards in games. It's very upsetting. <laughs> Uh, if you do go uh, for a Liverpool win and under four and a half goals, worth bearing in mind that our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Well, elsewhere, the other game on Tuesday sees Bayern Munich face Salzburg. The tie is evenly poised at one all. Bayern 1.16 to take the win at the Allianz Arena. But you can get better than evens for them to win and both teams to score. I've written a preview for this game on betting.betfair.com. Mark, I thought Bayern was strangely flat at the weekend against Bayer Leverkusen. I think we were expecting, with a fair bit of justification, a bit of a shootout there. It didn't really happen. And Bayern is still without some key players. Yeah, um, unimpressed with Bayern Munich again at the weekend. Uh, not for the first time recently either. And you're right, they were, they were flat. And Leverkusen possibly didn't take their opportunities in the first half. They created plenty. And 
just look at the games in which Bayern have played against sort of better teams recently. Against Leipzig, they got you know a three-two win, but I think Leipzig were possibly the better team on the day there. The first leg against Salzburg, they were possibly quite lucky to come out of it with a one-one. The XG says otherwise, and the shot stats say otherwise. But Salzburg had so many opportunities in transitions, which didn't actually end in a in a, a shot at goal, so they wouldn't have been kind of counted in that regard. But watching it with your eyes, you know they saw these opportunities in the counters. I think they could do something similar again um, because uh, Neuer might be back, but they're still about Goretzka. They're still about Tolisso. Uh, I don't think Musiala's you know fantastic in the sort of double pivot alongside Kimmich. I think he's kind of better, kind of with a bit more license to get forward. Alfonso Davies missing again. I know Hernandez is back from a domestic ban for this, but it's two clean sheets and nine for Bayern this calendar year. Four clean sheets in 12 in Munich going back to September as well and um, you know you don't need those statistics you can just see it with your eyes that Bayern are just so open defensively that Salzburg should in theory get opportunities in the counter-attacks again but they've had issues themselves uh, they had a huge bout of Covid in the squad and in the club about a fortnight ago most of those players are back available again uh, and played at the weekend but um, They've got injuries as well, particularly at central defence, which is a, a concern, really. So uh, there was two sort of strands I was looking at this match. I think the ha- Asian handicap is is pretty pretty strong here. You know, you can get Salzburg with a plus two and a quarter goal start, which if they do score, Bayern need four to see that bet lose, uh, which seems quite hefty. But um, I think the, the possibly the, the best value angle here is the one you've already mentioned, is Bayern to win the match and, and both teams to score. If you go on the exchange, it's actually close to 2.5 which is a, a, a big, big price, a big, big increase on, on Bayern just to win the game, which is what, around 1.25. So, um, you know, Bayern in Munich, big match, Champions League night, they do tend to come to the party. Lewandowski's had a bit of a lean spell recently, but how long does that normally last? You know, kind of due a big performance, aren't they? Uh, but saying all that, you know, if they go and put in a stinker, you know, we've had the warning signs now the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bayern haven't been playing great, so I'm just kind of waiting for them to kind of click into gear and this might be the opportunity with Salzburg, kind of if they do fall behind, having to chase the tie. I like it when I write a bet for the site and Mark thinks it's a good one as well. It's always a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling when that happens. Uh, Emmett, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this game from a betting perspective was that if you take Bayern and the result out of it completely, just both teams to score is 1.85 on the exchange. And I looked at that and that felt a bit big to me for all the reasons Mark's mentioned because Salzburg at very least we'll give it a go because Matthias Jaisler, their coach, he's a front foot guy. Absolutely. I kind of I echo everything you said in the article and what Marcus said there. Um just I think like we've seen yeah, we since since the Christmas break we've seen Bayern play plenty of deep, decent Bundesliga opposition. And like they've they haven't they haven't could dominate any of those games. They won all the Leverkusen beating Eintracht Frankfurt in an early way from home, beaten by Bochum, scraping by Leipzig, losing at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Like, there's no there's no real form line that would suggest this will be the kind of the old-school Bayern hammering where they're three or four goals up at half-time. Um, so, it's, it's Salzburg, and as Mark mentioned, without Neuer, Gretzky, and Alfonso Davies, it, do, it, it definitely leaves them vulnerable. And as I'm sure, as you know, Kevin, like, this isn't... This, this isn't a Premier League squad that Bayern have. They, they, they don't have the kind of the 18, 19 good players that the Premier League clubs have. So they are, so they're, they're I think they're, they're, they're definitely really stretched here. Yeah, I, I like, I like, I like the both teams to score angle you mentioned. I'd, and I'd, I'd, and like, if, if you're looking to get with Salzburg, I'd, I'd probably look maybe, maybe a smaller, a small bet on the, on, on the draw at six to one. 
I think it's far from out of the question that Bayern will eat extra time here. I think the yeah, it's just like like all the form we've seen is says that this this I think this, this might be a close game, uh, given how competitive Salzburg were in the first leg. So I yeah, but both teams to score and then a small bet in the draw at six to one. The way I'd, I'd go. Yeah, Jake, it's a really interesting point that Emmett makes about the squad depth because the feeling in Germany definitely seems to be, in the media at least, and definitely among some Bayern fans that I, I follow on social media and their feelings, that this squad is nowhere near as deep as it should be given Bayern's ambitions. You strip back, uh, you know, the, the opening 14, 15 players and beyond that, they are struggling. They are, yes, but I still, I mean, I don't think any of us would disagree that the 11 they put out will be much better than the Salzburg 11 come come yeah. uh, Tuesday. Um, and yeah, you know, squad depth, I think at this stage of the season, not too much of an issue because the players are still fairly fresh. Germany, Bundesliga has just come off the winter break with the four or five games after that. I think if, if, if it's still in this kind of scenario next month, then they've got serious problems because that's the business end of the season, isn't it? Really? That's when things do come thick and fast. Um, they've still got a fairly decent lead at the top of the Bundesliga. Um, I, you know, I get where you guys are coming from in terms of the both teams to score, but I'm actually going to go the other way. I, you know, I've, I've, I, you know, I don't want to be the sort of odd man out, but I feel like the, the price about both teams to score is a little bit too short in this, given what Bayern have shown um, at home, particularly what Salzburg have shown away, looking at the XG figures anyway, because, um, you know, in a what we would say is a below average group or below par group that Salzburg were in, featuring Wolfsburg, Sevilla and Lille, they only managed to create 0.8 non-penalty expected goals for per away game. And that's against like bang average team. So they have really struggled to create chances um, on the road um, and buying a marginally more competitive group against Benfica, Barcelona um, and Dinamo Kiev they conceded just 0.5 expected goals against per home game now obviously there's the caveats the fact that they are missing some key players but I just thought it was worth a little um, a little punt on buying to win to nil as opposed to winning both teams to score because ultimately they were really unfortunate not to win the away leg uh, based on expected goals and they actually limited Salzburg to less than one expected goal in that match so Salzburg were very clinical with the chances that they that they actually got perhaps fortunate to get on the score sheet and Bayern should have really scored at least two and won that match so um, yeah I, I think it'll be a very dominant comfortable victory for Bayern I think that the golfing class between these two teams will be quite stark and quite contrast and I, and I just feel though you know, towards I think it was the last half an hour of the of the first leg where Salzburg literally just couldn't get out of their own box. I feel like it'll be something similar to that for most of the ninety minutes in this game. Uh, watch out for the fashion statements of the two coaches, by the way. Very sharp dresses, uh, Geisler and uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Must be something to do with uh, having been at Hoffenheim. Uh, now, elsewhere on Wednesday, uh, the ties finished. Manchester City and Sporting, they absolutely wiped the floor with them in Lisbon, won 5-0. So, Mark, how on earth do we approach this second leg? Uh, just don't have a bet, Kev. Sometimes the best bet is to, is to not have one. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm not going to 
be paying too much attention to this match. Um, the one thing we know is Man City probably won't make major changes defensively. Uh, Kyle Walker is still suspended. Ruben Diaz, we know, is injured still. Nathan Ake is injured as well. So they don't have too many players who can come in and, and sort of fill those gaps. But elsewhere, we don't know how Pep's going to approach this. I'm assuming there'll be major changes. Do you really want to be backing a team who... Uh, been given a really big handicap hurdle to overcome, even though they're 5-0 up on aggregate. Not really. Uh, the under-based kind of stuff, you can sort of tag along any sort of city-based win. Uh, it always makes me a little bit nervous after seeing what they did in Lisbon, and you don't really want to be opposing goals. But uh, again, from a sporting perspective, they've, they're have they kind of undergoing a bit of a blip for the first time, really, under Ruben Amarim's tenure. Um, you know, the first leg, I think uh, they gave away some pretty soft goals, but also City scored some stunners as well and kind of killed the tie early. But you know, it's two wins in six now across all competitions, beaten quite convincingly. I felt by Porto last week in the in the cup, which was a bit of a hammer blow, really. And uh, domestically, they're still kind of trailing in Porto's wake, really. And, you know, the issue with sporting as well is a lack of discipline. Uh, they can often lose their heads in the heat of battle. We've seen that many times already this year and last. And uh, just a naivety about how they've gone about their business in Europe, which has really sort of disappointed me, really. Uh, they've conceded 14 goals now in three games against Ajax and Man City. So not a great look, really. And look, the tie is dead and buried. But they are very, pardon the pun, given the kit they wear, but they are very green, <laughs> aren't they? Because they... They don't have, as a unit or in a lot of cases individually, they just don't have experience of this level. So they were that was always going to be a massive gap to bridge, wasn't it? Because, let's face it, they weren't even supposed to win the league, were they yeah. really? What Ruben Amorim has done has kind of accelerated them at incredible speed. But we shouldn't expect them to be anywhere near this standard. No, we shouldn't. And I think that's a, a really good point to, to bear in mind. I've, I've just been, uh, I'm just a, a huge Amarin fanboy, really. And it's just been, it's, yeah, it's, me too. it's a bit me sad too. when you see kind of things unravel, particularly after you give them a big build up. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, they, they've probably got bigger fish to fry. I've got bigger fish to fry. They know they're not getting back into this tie either. So sporting could easily make loads of changes themselves. It's been a really kind of testing and, and taxing couple of weeks for them, uh, physically and emotionally too. So they could do with a bit of a breather. But yeah, no bet for me yeah Emma it's a tough one this isn't it because almost seems cruel to make sporting play the second leg really because there is a massive gap and they have been smashed by other teams in this competition yeah, as well yeah no. I'll keep that I'll keep this fairly short and sweet I, yeah it's, it's hard to put much rebellion I guess the only if you're doing kind of a, a, an accumulator Wednesday evening I'd probably throw in Raheem Sterling to score like not exactly scientific stuff here but he, I think he will be he will have been pretty good to have been left out at the weekend He's like he's he's yeah. he um he's just behind Kevin De Bruyne in terms of shots on target per ninety minutes for City this season. He's only behind Mares in in XG per ninety. I think he's he'll be he'll be City's biggest attacking threat and in a game that City should absolutely dominate. I, I would expect him to score and he looks a fair enough price around ten to eleven. Jake, uh, I dread to think what the XG was in the first leg, uh, but uh, this is a massive mismatch, isn't it? Yeah, it is a massive mismatch. And I think we've seen, to be fair, um, yeah, I think Mark has been a little bit kind there, but the Portuguese league, while it is you know, very watchable and sort of competitive in its own right as a league, when it comes to these big European stages, they're just nowhere near the sort of level of, of particularly the top European teams. I mean, Liverpool hammer Porto on a regular basis. Ben yeah, although to be on. fair, for them to get two teams into the last 16 is is, a, is weirdly, because they've relied so heavily on Porto to actually do the business in Europe, for them to get two teams that are Porto into the last 16 
is a step, but yeah, there's a massive it is, step. Yeah, yeah they've, they've done well to get to this stage, and I think that the only reason they have two is because, um, you know, Barcelona aren't Barcelona, or weren't at the time. Uh, Benfica managed to take advantage of what was the shell of Barcelona, and ultimately Sporting Lisbon took advantage of Dortmund missing Haaland for quite a few games in that group stage, so... And being generally yeah, and just being you know well. untrustworthy, uh, I think we could say. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know Benfica they, against Bayern Munich they got hammered twice, um, so it was no surprise really to see Sporting Lisbon get hammered by one of the other sort of juggernauts of, of European football, Manchester City. Um, and yeah, em- Emmett's kind of sort of touched on the bet that I'm going to go with as well, which is Sterling to score any time uh, at ten to eleven. I think in a game that could feature almost two second strings, um, you know Sterling. Well, he isn't really a second-string player. City's second string is just ridiculous in itself, isn't it? But um, the fact that he didn't play at the weekend is probably a, a hint that he might get the nod to to start in midweek. Um, and yeah, his XG per 95 in the Champions League is at 0.8, which is really, really impressive and shows that he consistently gets in good scoring positions. And against a Sporting Lisbon team that are likely to make changes themselves, you know, they're only six points behind Porto in the title race in Portugal. Um, that, like you said, ties over. They're going to probably rotate. Um, and yeah, I, I quite fancy him to get a fair few chances, and uh, that's that was my initial intention anyway. Straight away in a game that's sort of dead rubber, um, changes like to be made. A really strong favourite home team. Look in the goalscorer market, and yeah, anything else that stands out. Perhaps team news. You might wait until the team news if Mares is playing, for example. You might want a, a little nibble at Mares at, at five to six. Um, 20 goals in all... No, 21 now. 21 goals in all competitions, Mahrez. He's, he's not bad, is he? I mean, <laughs> it helps when you've got the likes of Grealish, Foden, De Bruyne, um, you know, Gundogan creating for you. So, yeah, it, fairly routine home win, I'm expecting, but goal scorer line is, is where I go. And if you don't fancy anything, the goal scorer, absolutely have no bet in this one. Um, you know, sometimes the best bet is to have no bet. Just got to hope that Guardiola doesn't do one of his crazy Champions League things and put Raheem Sterling in goal. <laughs> uh, now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over-under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. We've saved arguably the best until last in terms of entertainment and jeopardy. Real Madrid 1-0 down to Paris Saint-Germain after Kylian Mbappe's first leg heroics. They are 3.55 to qualify on the exchange. Now, Mark, Real blew away Real Sociedad 4-1 at the weekend. I know Real Sociedad are really struggling right now, so that's maybe not the result that it looks. But there were a couple of brilliant goals from Modric and Kamavinga in that game. And they do eke out results. So they're certainly capable of turning this around against a Paris team that veers between excellent and utterly hopeless. <laughs> yeah, you said it quite nicely there, Kev. Um, it's, it, it's an interesting one, this. It, it is quite tricky to kind of second guess which of the two teams we're going to see the best of. Um, particularly in the first leg, it was uh, PSG, who not just in possession, but out of possession, really strangled and suffocated Madrid and Paris. Just conceded three shots and then gave away just the one corner as well. I thought Madrid were made to look quite slow, quite archaic as well. Um, and now the onus is on them for to you know, produce a, a bit more of a forward-thinking performance in this match, chasing the tie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they do have to press forward, which they will at some stage, you know, there's going to be opportunities then in in counter-attacks and transitions for Kylian Mbappe. And we saw against a, a deep-lying Madrid defence in the first leg how torrid a night Carvajal had and then Lucas Vasquez too trying to cover him. So 
in theory, this match is kind of nicely quite well set up quite nicely for PSG. Um, he he's missed the weekend game through suspension against Nice. They lost it one 0 and Nice's coach Christophe Galtier said after the game that PSG are one team with Mbappe and another without him. And I don't think that's far wrong at all this season. He has been their shining light, and I think Pochettino's now got a massive conundrum on his hands because. You know, in the first leg, he was, his hand was kind of forced because Neymar wasn't fully fit. But now Neymar is fit and available. He's going to have to try and find a system to suit his his egos, really. And I think possibly the this is the problem, isn't it? This has been the problem all along that there are three undroppable players, none of whom Mbappe may be accepted are going to do any defensive. Yeah, and I think you have to drop one of them for this match personally. Um, I think you do um, get so much more out of someone like Di Maria, a, a link between the midfield and the attack, but also someone who's going to give you a bit more discipline and energy out of possession. But um, it's probably likely that all three of them play. Uh, we know Mbappe will definitely play. And uh, I think that's an issue for PSG. So I'm fascinated to see how they do set up. Um, Madrid won't be quite as pragmatic, but Madrid have got issues as well. Uh, the scoreline against Sociedad looked a lot better than it actually was. I mean, Angelotti's talking about it being one of their best performances of the season, but you mentioned the, the fantastic goals from Modric and Kamavinga. Another one was a penalty as well. So Sociedad didn't put up a huge amount of resistance. And team news is, is also key for Madrid. Uh, Casemiro suspended, Cruz injured, uh, Ferland Mendy suspended. Um, possibly the midfield, you know, the midfield three getting broken up might be the worst thing to happen with Kamavinga and Valverde coming in. I think they'll add a lot more energy to that midfield, which might be a blessing in disguise, really. But defensively, Ferland Mendy is a is a big loss too. So, yeah, I'm finding it quite difficult to, to see which team I really want to kind of get behind here. So ultimately, I thought the, the goal line was again set a little bit too high. Um, I think this could be quite quite tight, quite tense. So I think PSG will want to plan the counter attack because of Mbappe's pace, and I think Madrid will be fearful of, of that too. So um, you can back under three goals on the goal line on the exchange uh, at around about one point eight nine. Uh, basically, if there's three goals exactly, you get your cash back uh, two zero or one goals, and we get a winner four goals or more, and we lose. Um, I think that's quite nice. I wouldn't be too surprised if, if this match went the distance. Um, but yeah, kind of struggling to kind of find enough positives in either team to to back them in the prices. Jake, I think there's a really interesting dynamic here. We've talked a lot about the abolition of the away goals rule. There would have been some real jeopardy for Real Madrid previously going into this second leg because as soon as Paris get the away goal, they've suddenly got to get three to go through. That's not there now. So how do you think that's going to affect the kind of competitive balance of the time? Uh, good question, really. Um... I personally was a massive fan of the away goals rule because of that reason. Because uh, because it did make yeah, it did almost entice the away teams to, particularly in the first legs, to go and attack because an away goal is worth so much. But um, yeah, it's, I've, like Mark, I'm finding this a really difficult game to sort of assess because Real Madrid, you know, they they could happily go for a one nil, win one nil, take it to extra time, um, and we see something sort of similar to what we saw in Paris, being very tight and cagey. Um, because if they, like Mark said, if, if, if Real Madrid open up and go for it, Mbappe, Messi, Neymar, they're going to have a field day picking them apart uh, on the break. And um, it, it's, it's really interesting to see what kind of approach Ancelotti will take because will, will, he, will he sit back and sort of be a bit cautious and wary for the first 45 minutes just to see how things play out and then open up in the second half if, if, you know, if needs be? Or will he just go straight away gung-ho? Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm as fascinated and to to see what happens there. I think the fact that Benzema's 
fully fit as opposed to the first leg is a huge positive. Uh, but on the flip side, I also think that it may sound sort of ridiculous, but I think Akraf Hakimi being out for PSG is also a positive for PSG because it will mean that there's a little bit more security on the right side of their defence as to what perhaps there would have been else. I know he's a massive attacking threat for them, but in a game where they're probably going to be sitting back and counter-attacking, that might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, ultimately, I, I stand by what I said uh, in, before the first leg of this game, which is that Real Madrid are much more trustworthy on a game-by-game -game basis. Their consistent level is higher than PSG's consistent level. But when PSG are at their best, PSG are better than Real Madrid at their best. And um, yeah, for me, I, I still think that with Mbappe, who just simply destroyed Real Madrid in that first leg, didn't he? I just think that he's a massive X factor in this game. And you know, that, seeing that he's fit for this, uh, there were a few doubts. I, I do think that gives PSG a massive edge. So. Just by having him fit, you know, Neymar is isn't sort of an added piece to that puzzle as well because he is exceptionally tricky to play against. Um, so yeah, I ultimately I'm going to side with PSG again in this game um, to sort of get a result. I've gone with PSG plus naught on the Asian handicap. Um, so if the, if the game ends up in a draw, which I don't think is beyond the realms of, uh, of possibility, we get our money back. But I would not be surprised if PSG went there. Um, won the game maybe one one nil two one where 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 things open up towards the end of the game um, if well Real Madrid are chasing so yeah it, it, I'm, I think this is going to be a much more um, sort of it's going to be a very entertaining game to watch but just from a tactical standpoint just to see how the setup uh, of both teams go and I, I, you mentioned the, the you started this off by talking about the away goals rule being abolished and I think we're still we've only had a handful of games the sample size is still very small. But we are starting to see in the matches that are a little bit closer in terms of two teams at a similar level, they are a little bit tighter. Um, you know, difficult to say with Man City Sport and Lisbon, for example, because the gulf between the two is massive. So it wasn't a surprise to see City go there and just, you know, hammer them. But in, in these kind of games where things are a little bit tighter, I think we will start to see a few less goals because the teams are a little bit more wary and there isn't as much to gain by scoring a away goal. Emmett, I can't help feeling that if Real Madrid are going to go through here, Benzema's going to be such a massive part of it. The guys have mentioned him already. You talked about Raheem Sterling being um, a good bet in the goalscorer market. Do you look at something like, if, if we're not sure how the game's going to go, but we think that those big personalities are going to have a prominent role, would you look at something like Vinicius Junior or Benzema maybe to score? Yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put you off that. No, I I kind of, yeah, I like what the lads have said. Uh, so there are, I kind of, um, I think probably both coaches know that if it's an open game, the defences will be in trouble. Like, if you look around Madrid's fullbacks, like Carvajal and Marcello are past the rest, but they have no hope against... Carvajal Absolutely. looks shot to pieces, like I, doesn't he? I, I, just looks like the 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 concentration. I don't gone. think he's like, slept for about three really weeks. He's just been haunted by Mbappe. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I used to be a big fan yeah. of him in, in, in his mid-twenties, but I, I think him and Marcello right there, absolute liabilities against Neymar and Mbappe. And I think as well, um, I, I think Ancelotti knows that, so that, I think, I think that, that that would probably probably maybe see kind of a cager game as Real, kind of look to keep it tighter until maybe later in the game. Um, like, 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 like Mark said, I think I, I'd be, I'm intrigued to see PSG starting on it because I think clearly... Clearly, in in the first leg, the team had more balance. Would Neymar not? Would Neymar not playing? And I think is like Pochettino. He probably knows 
and if he doesn't win the Champions League, he's gone in the summer anyway. So I, I, I'm like, I'm not sure. Because like, oh, he's one of the, as well, much Pochino leaves PSG, he's plenty of options. It's not as if he'd be stuck for a job. So I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if he was brave enough to drop to, to, to drop Neymar and kind of ignore the kind of PSG politics. And I think, I think that would definitely give, I think, that PS, PSG's best chance to win. I think, as the lads have said, I think the match prices are pretty fair. I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really split split them. I think Real should be should be slight favourites here. But I, I'm as a spectacle, just as taking Bellingham, I, I, I'm really looking forward to watching this as a spectacle. I think the atmosphere should be incredible. The Bernabeu, and I think this is these kind of the kind of stuff, this kind of stuff we, we really missed during COVID, and so I, I can't wait to watch it. In terms of betting angle, I th- I would look at the card markets here. I think like if you're looking at bet builders. I think I read an article today that said Hakimi might be fit. If he is fit, I think I think I I I, I think he's definitely worth a look in the card markets. Only Yao Felix and Nabil Fakir have been fouled more than Vinicius Junior in a Liga this season, and Hakimi should spend most of his time marking Vinicius. So I think he'd be worth a look in the card markets. And as said previously, so like a Carvajal, Marcello, Hakimi, kind of a car car travel. Be part of the way the way the way I look for this game. I think all of them are in real trouble against the guys that be marking. Yeah, fullbacks that either never could defend or can't defend anymore. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. The Cheltenham Festival starts next week. Tons of content on betting.betfair.com, including the thoughts of legendary trainer Paul Nichols. We've got the Cheltenham Rawcast show as well as part of our podcast network so either go to betting.betfair.com or you can check us out on social at betfair or at betfair racing from mark from jake from emmett and from me it's goodbye for now